How's it going, A's fans, and welcome to episode 31 of the Locked On A's podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, noted baseball fan, Jason Burke, and today we're going to talk about a little bit about Tuesday's game, just a couple of quick notes on that, and then uh, we'll go into just a bunch of general baseball news from around the league and uh, A's-related stuff and all that. Talk a little bit about coronavirus, because that's always a fun topic, uh, and you know the clubhouse restrictions and all that stuff. Uh, potentially playing games in front of no fans, um, Justin Verlander's injury update. There's a bunch of stuff. So we're going to get into that here in a sec. But first, follow us at Locked On A's on Twitter. Uh, me personally at ByJasonB on Twitter. Um, also, we are getting an Instagram account uh, set up. So once that's up and running and we got, you know, posts going for, you know, A's fans, uh, I will start promoting the crap out of that. So uh, be on the lookout for that and uh, keep your ears open for when I start plugging our new Instagram account. Also, uh, we're doing a mailbag episode later this week, so if you have any mailbag questions for us, please email them to us at LockedOnAthletics at gmail.com. So that's all the plugs for right now. Uh, Let's get into Tuesday's game, uh, in which Mike Fire started and went five innings. Uh, He did allow uh, three runs total. Two of them were earned because there was an error, which I will get into. Uh, He allowed five hits, and he walked one, and he struck out three. So... He did fine, you know, that that's a solid start for a starting pitcher in baseball these days. It's not quite, you know, it's still almost a quality start. Not quite, but uh, if he can throw that out on, you know, opening day or whenever he gets his first crack at it, then uh, so be it. That, that'd be okay with me. Fires told the Chronicle after the game that uh, if his next start was the first start of the regular season, he'd be ready for it. So he seems primed and ready for the regular season to begin. Uh, he was asked if he was hoping for the opening day start or any of that stuff. And he said, we all have to pitch at some point. Uh, it doesn't matter when to me, I'll just be ready for it. So uh, I like that. I like that he's like, eh, if I get opening day, that's cool. If not, you know, I got to pitch in one of the other four games following that. So uh, bring it on. Uh, my assumption is that they will, they're not going to try and hide him against the Astros, but I think that they'd rather have him start the opening series against uh, the Twins in one of those uh, few games. So, uh, and, and it just makes sense, righty-lefty combinations and all that stuff. So he's probably not going to face the Astros the first time around unless he does get that opening day start. Um, so, yeah, that'll be an interesting little side uh, side story for us to keep an eye on. And just to bring up the, that error that I mentioned just a minute ago, um, Franklin Barreto made two errors in the field. Uh, one of them was a fielding error. One of them was a throwing error. One of them was just a routine throw. The other one, uh, ball went under his glove and, you know, whatever. Uh, and then not to be outdone, Jorge Mateo also committed an error. So second base is heating up. Um, yeah, it, it feels like every day there's a new front runner. Um, I think that, you know, we're sticking with Franklin Barreto unless he falls apart or Jorge Mateo really comes on strong. And then I feel like Tony Kemp and Vimeo Machin are, since they're so versatile in the field, and Machin's playing at third base, first base, and second base, so they can play him anywhere in the infield. Then you got Pender, who can play the outfield and the infield. Uh, Tony Kemp, same thing. So uh, that that versatility is probably going to be the calling card to getting these guys major league roster spots. And uh, then, you know, Barreto, if he can just be consistent in the field or at the plate, uh, hopefully both, then, uh, then he's got a spot too. So, uh, yeah. And at some point, I will look up these minor leaguers from the Royals and the Tigers. I have not done it yet. I've been packing all day. Uh, we're moving in a week and a half, and uh, we're taking a big load over tomorrow, so didn't have time today, but I will do that. 
Maybe that'll be for Monday's pod, because I will have time this weekend. And then the last bit of news from Tuesday's game, uh, the combination of Mike Fires and Austin Allen, they allowed uh, two stolen bases to a Royals prospect named Nick Heath. Um, on the surface, that doesn't look good because, you know, Austin Allen, while he's hitting the cover off the ball, he's hitting like four or something, four or five, I think, right now. Uh, so he's doing very well at the plate, and he is a bat-first catcher. But uh, what we want to see from him is a little bit of better defense and allowing two stolen bases. Uh, not not great. But also, I looked up this prospect. He's like the Royals' 25th prospect or something like that. Um, so he's not a top 100 prospect by any means. But he does have 70-grade speed on the 20-80 to 80 scouting scale, with uh, 70 being pretty damn good. So he's a fast guy, and, you know... I assume that uh, Mike Fires knows nothing about this guy, and Austin Allen probably doesn't know anything about this guy. So, on the surface, it looks bad. As you go deeper, it, there, there's no real scouting report on Nick Heath. So, uh, I, I'm willing to allow it. And if he's allowing, you know, guys that have 70 grade speed to steal bases, he's not the only one by any means. So, I don't think that hurts him too bad in the... Uh, backup catcher competition and again his bat is speaking plenty loudly so i'd say that he's probably the front runner at this point because he has that little bit of major league experience um so unless he just allows like 15 passed balls in the next couple of weeks then a catching duo of sean murphy and austin allen to start the season and then jonah hyam can work his way in at some point if there's an injury or somebody needs a break or something like that and you can flip-flop if you need to so uh that, that's my take for right now. And uh, I definitely am a fair weather uh, position battle guy. I will change every single day. So make sure that you tune in to Locked On A's every day to hear where I currently stand on these position battles. Oh, I lied. Uh, there is one more thing about this game. Uh, Jake Diekman, Birch Smith, and Seth McFarlane, they each worked uh, one inning. So they worked, worked three innings total. They combined to allow zero hits, zero runs, zero walks, and struck out five. Uh, Diekman and McFarland each struck out two. Birch Smith struck out, struck out one. So, uh, hey, not that bad for uh, the relief core right there. Um, so we'll see how, you know, that all shakes out. I assume they're all making the team. So that's, and that I've been solid on that one. So that one is uh, not fair weather. I think that they're all easily going to make the bullpen uh, to start the season. And if they falter, then we assess from there. But I think that they're all going to be fine. All right, and so with that, we're going to take a quick little break, and then uh, we'll be back to talk about Justin Verlander's injury, coronavirus, and uh, what's coming up for the rest of the week. So there's been a lot of talk about uh, Justin Verlander and his injury over the last uh, few days among baseball fans, and uh, he, he was quoted as saying that it would probably take a miracle for him to be ready for opening day. So uh, he's probably not going to be ready for opening day or in the couple of weeks after that. Um, I was listening to a fantasy baseball podcast and they were saying that the injury that he has is very similar to the one that he had in 2015, which kept him out until June. Uh, he was also younger then by five years. So, uh, maybe he, I, I mean, it might not be the same exact injury, but it's a similar injury. So they were like, Oh, maybe this is how long he's going to be gone. Where do you draft Justin Verlander? If he's going to only make 20 starts or whatever. Um, so, I mean, if Justin Verlander's making 20 starts, um, I don't want to say wrap up the division, but it sure makes it a lot more attainable in my eyes. Um, the, the speculation is that there's like Austin Pruitt, who's a rookie. 
uh, or Kweedy's probably going to be in the uh, rotation already. Josh James is probably already in the rotation. Uh, and then there's, you know, just some other guy, uh, Brian Abreu, I think is the other guy. So they've got some minor league options that, uh, would be there, but none of them are going to be comparable to Justin Verlander, maybe in short stints, if it's a couple of months, um, they, they could be similar, but nobody's going to be Justin friggin' Verlander. So, uh, that works out in the A's favor. Obviously we wish Justin Verlander, uh, a speedy recovery and everything. But uh, I'm just trying to talk, you know, the baseball side of things. And I know that the Astros have been very good at developing pitchers, um, or, you know, at least unlocking different uh, sides of their potential, like with uh, Garrett Cole. Although in the last few days I've been, uh, I've become privy to the Pirates just being terrible at developing pitchers, apparently. I thought that they had a, a pitcher whisperer, and then uh, apparently they stopped whispering. Tyler Glass now was saying that they, you know, didn't have any of the analytics or anything like like, like that, like that the Rays do. Although the Rays are a very analytically advanced team, so nobody really has stuff like that except for maybe the A's and the Dodgers and the Yankees now. So yeah, there's that. And then also Garrett Cole went from the Pirates to the Astros, who were another analytically inclined team, and uh, he started being an ace like everybody thought he would be. So. Uh, yeah, I guess I should have seen that Pirates news coming. Um, where was I? <laughs> ah, yes, the Astros can develop pitchers. So that was my uh, my whole thing, I guess. <laughs> so we'll see how, you know, who claims the fifth spot or... Yeah, uh, we were assuming Zach Granke's going to get the opening day start and then maybe McCullers after that. And then you got Josh James, Jose Urquidy, and then whoever this new guy is who's going to take over that spot and then uh, go from there. Um, we'll see how many games Justin Verlander is going to miss, but every five days that he's gone, that's one last start that he's going to make this year. And that just makes the season a little bit, or, you know, the division more attainable for the A's, uh, with every start that he misses, I think. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this plays. And it also puts a little bit more emphasis on getting off to a quick start because if the Astros don't have Justin Verlander for the first month or two of the season um, and you're still neck and neck with them, not necessarily great. Although the A's are usually a better second half team, they just, you know, June 1st hits and they're like, hey, how about we just start winning all of the baseball games? Um, I've seen that happen so many times in my life and uh, it's fun, but I like to see a fun, you know, March, April too. Uh, maybe not lose to, you know, the friggin' Mariners a couple games in Japan. Anyway, coronavirus. <laughs> I didn't know how to segue into coronavirus, so I figured just, uh, hey, just say it. Um, so Major League Baseball is limiting uh, press access in clubhouses uh, for an undetermined amount of time uh, because of the spread of coronavirus. They're basically trying to limit the interactions that between people because crowds of certain sizes are frowned upon. Um, I believe that it was the uh, Santa Clara County. So the Sharks uh, are going to be playing games without fans involved um, just because they uh, gatherings of a thousand people or more are more susceptible to spreading the virus and stuff like that because you don't necessarily know that you have it. If you have it, um, you don't show symptoms and all that stuff until later. Um, so yeah, so baseball is doing this as well. And I saw, you know, 
Some reporters are being like, no, we need access and being very adamant about it. Some are being like, oh, you know, it's fine. The players don't necessarily seem to care um, one way or the other. Uh, Piscotti was saying that, you know, if is it going to stop the virus? No, but it, could it help prevent it a little bit? Maybe. So why not try it? Uh, Mike Fire seems to enjoy having fewer people in the clubhouse. And uh, that that's all that player reaction from the A's that I have seen. Um, but Ken Rosenthal had one article that went up on Monday and he was saying, you know, why it's important that, uh, the media has press access and all that stuff. And his mentions were, uh, crap, but, uh, he was like, no, no guys read the article. That's why I'm saying that, you know, we need access and this and this. And he's not saying that we need access, even though there's, you know, uh, a virus out there and stuff like that. He's saying his, the point of his article was, He's afraid of the slippery slope where we take it away now and then we're just never going to give it back to you guys. Um, so that was his argument for the whole article. And on that front, I do agree um, because it's, you know, the relationships that you build with players that actually make the reporting uh, worthwhile in the end. And you get stories like the one that Alex Coffey posted um, about Matt Olson and his friend, who has autism and couldn't speak for the first 19 years of his life that uh, dropped on Tuesday. So you get stories like that out of being able to have one-on-one -on -one conversations with players and stuff. And also there was that little piece that, you know, um, Evan Drellick and Kevin Rosenthal wrote over the, uh, over the winter break about some sort of sign stealing scandal that broke open and has enthralled baseball for months now. Um, I don't think that that one would have happened without clubhouse access like at all. And that changed everything about baseball. Um, I mean, it friggin' should, it hasn't yet, but we'll see. And now the Astros are the most hated team in baseball, not the Yankees because of one little article. And, uh, yeah. So that's why clubhouse access is important. I think, um, if you disagree, that's fine. It it's whatever. Um, I don't have clubhouse access right now. I am hoping to uh, later in the season. But, uh, you know, for my job, it, it does help because, I mean, a, a lot of it is watching games and looking at the box scores and, you know, some of that stuff. But keeping up with the injury news and seeing, like, what players are saying after uh, certain games. Like uh, a couple weeks ago when Shamaniah was working on a slider uh, and got a new grip, I wouldn't have known about that because of the access that they have. Um, you know, you, you read stuff like that in the Chronicle or the Athletic or MLB.com. Um, Fangraph sometimes, they do a stuff too. Um, so it's important for all of us, I think, uh, that certain people have access and that they share that information with everybody. So uh, as a fan, I hope that, you know, it's a short-term thing. But uh, there is also talk, I think, that uh, the Mariners... Uh, could be planning to play some of their games uh, in the regular season um, in Arizona if they uh, if Seattle or the Seattle area uh, imposes some sort of a shutdown on crowds of a thousand people or more, uh, like in Santa Clara with the Sharks. Um, so that could be something. It, it, it's a place by place thing. It's not like a countrywide thing. So Arizona would have more lax laws, which is why they could play in Arizona and whatnot. Um, so. That could be something that, you know, what affects the, affect the season. Um, there's also talk. I don't know if it's going to happen because regular season is still a couple weeks away and baseball is still planning on 
starting opening day on opening day. Um, not the schedule to opening day, not, you know, just the opening day. But the speculation had been that maybe they're going to be playing games in front of no fans uh, until, you know, the, I'm not going to say hysteria, but, you know, the public outcry um, dies down a little bit and, you know, their cases start receding and people start getting tested and all that stuff. Um, so until some of the recovery stuff uh, comes into effect, I think. And, uh, I mean, the joke part of me wants to say that'd be an unfair advantage to the A's and the Rays because they're used to playing in front of no fans. Ha 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 ha. Um, but, I mean, if that's what it comes to, then, you know, that's what it comes to. Uh, it's not going to be a long-term thing, I don't think. Um, partially because the owners are going to want, you know, their their fans in the seats so they can make money off of the fans in the seats. So uh, that, that'll be an, an influence on whether or not they're playing games in front of no people, too. Uh, but if the county makes a designation, then they're going to have to go with that. Um, so, yeah, that's how that goes. We're going to play it by ear, I guess. Uh, last bit of A's news. Uh, Shamanaya gets the start for the A's tomorrow in spring training action. Um, and I know that spring training starts don't matter a bunch. But he is 0-1 with a over 14 ERA right now. So I'd like to see him be a little bit more fine-tuned in this start as he gets ready for the regular season and all that stuff. Um, it's not going to matter one way or other if he does really well, great. If he gets shelled, whatever. But um, I, just because he's a big part of what the A's are planning to do, and you don't want to see him carry a 14 ERA in the regular season from spring training because, uh, you know, that's all. Um, I know that he's been working on pitches, and that's been part of it for sure. But you you want to see him, you know, kind of refine some of those. And if he's work with the repertoire that he's going to be using in the regular season to get guys out and win baseball games come the regular season. So, uh, yeah, we'll see how that goes and uh, go from there. That's going to be it for today. Um, I am moving a bunch of stuff tomorrow. And we'll hopefully have time to record a podcast. If not, I will have one on Friday and then... And then one more over the weekend, too. Uh, I will get you guys your five for sure. Uh, and then next week, we're going to be doing uh, season previews with each of the teams from the AL West. So that'll be uh, four segments on the podcast for next week. And then, uh, you know, usual A's news. So that's going to be it for today. Go out there and celebrate good times, Oakland. And I will talk with you guys soon. Mm-hmm.